You're listening to the Seek, Go, Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new. And here's your host, Tim Winders. Hello, everyone. This is Tim Winders. Welcome once again to the Seek, Go, Create podcast. I am always, I'm always excited to be here. I'm just really enjoying this immensely. And so I'm always excited to be able to share with you. And today we're going to be talking about another great topic in the area of being an everyday leader. So it's leadership. And today we're going to be talking about communications, communications as it relates to leadership. But interestingly enough, most of the things we're going to be covering today are just good basic skills to be able to communicate with anyone. And so I think it's going to be a great topic to cover and very similar to some of the other episodes we've had. Some of these things are going to seem so basic. They're going to be kind of like, I can't believe we're even having to say these things, but unfortunately we are because we just see so many people miss these things. And so we're going to remind ourselves so that we can be the leader that we're supposed to to be. I do want to just keep bringing up over and over again the definition that I use for leadership, and that is being a steward over those people, places, and or things that God has gifted you with. Being a steward over those people, places, and or things that God has gifted you with. And I just want to start off this episode with with what I think is a pretty powerful statement that should get all of our attention, and that is this. You cannot influence people, cannot be a leader, can't be a steward, can't, you can't really interact with others if you cannot share your thoughts and ideas. Let me repeat that. You cannot influence others if you can't share your thoughts and ideas. And that is what comes down to the topic today, which is communications. And of course, it includes a number of things. We've covered a few in some other episodes, but we're going to specifically focus on communications during this episode. And I want to start off with, with literally everything that comes out of your mouth is your communications. And the reason I guess I want to say that is because there's a lot of people that think that if they put on a certain face when they're around certain people, that it is okay for them to say certain things and be a certain way. But then if they get into another environment and say certain things, act a different way, words come out of their mouths, you know, gossip, murmuring, whatever type things you want to you want to you want to add in here then they think it's kind of okay to be different in different situations and some people have used situational leadership and communications and things like that and listen i get it you're not supposed to just uh if you're in a position where you oversee sensitive information it's not as if you need to share that with the world share it with everyone put it on social media, come home, share it with your family. I, I, I totally get that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is don't be syrupy sweet in one environment and then, you know, flying off the handle, blabbing your mouth, using profanity and all in another environment. Be consistent. We've talked about that. Be consistent. Be a person of integrity. And, and as I've mentioned before, to me, someone who's a hypocrite is someone who is different in different situations. 
And to me, that is, to me, that's one of the worst things that one can be. I, I would like to think that people that interact with me, whether it be my children, my spouse, you know, friends I've had for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, or people that I, I just meet, that they kind of go, you know, that's Tim, you know, like him, like him or not, you know, he's, he's a little bit, he runs his mouth a little bit, you know, acts kind of his tone, acts like he knows what he's talking about, which it's not a horrible thing unless he gets a little bit too know-it-all, but they, they at least know what they're getting when they deal with me. And I guess I just encourage as a leader, as a steward, as a parent, as someone who oversees things and people, be consistent with the words of your mouth. Don't don't have people say, you know, I don't, I don't even know who you are because you act this way in one situation and this way in another. And so just be cautious of that. That's something I've, I think I've addressed it in a few other episodes and I'm probably going to keep communicating about that. So let's keep going. And I'm, again, we're going into communication skills and I've got, I think, three, maybe four big topics that we're going to be covering in this episode. And the first one that we're going to talk briefly about, because we have brought it up before, and that is to, we, we need to always have good writing skills, or not always, we need to be working on them, we need to be mindful of them, we need to understand that, yeah, yes, our spoken word is powerful, but what we put in writing especially in today's environment where things can be cut pasted, forwarded, uh, shared, and, and sent around the world literally in a matter of seconds. What we put in writing is extremely important. And I am not, I'm not saying in any way that we need to be fearful and cautious and, you know, watch everything we put down in, on paper uh, well, I guess I am sort of saying that, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not meaning it in such a way that we we let the fear overtake us that we're going to write something down wrong and it'll be taken wrong. And and I still believe that we have convictions, we have beliefs, and and we don't back down from those. But I do think that we can really guard the tone that we write in. We can really read over things before we push send or hit return or or you know, post or whatever it is, we can read over things and just think about, hmm, how is someone going to take this, these words? Is it going to be taken in the right tone that I mean them? Was I, am I being curt? That's one thing I have to watch for. It's, it's, it's interesting in my household, my wife, Glory, she has the, has the tendency if she sends an email or a message in writing, she wants to cover everything, cover all the details, all angles, all sides of it. She's very detailed that way. Me, I'm, I'm really good at giving forward answers that leave a lot to, to be desired and they can be taken the wrong way. I think there's good things and bad things about both of those styles. And the thing I guess I'm saying here is just, just be mindful of it. If you are in a position, this is just a tip, I guess. If you are in a position to have someone read over something that you're about to send, 
do it. If you, in your mind, have a question and you wonder how it's going to be taken, then let someone else help you edit it. Let them read it for tone. I mean, my wife and I do that a lot if we're especially doing some maybe some tense business communications or or we're negotiating something or going back and forth with someone and it might be building in some of the pressure. We will type something out and say, hey, can you just read over this for me and see what you think I'm saying? What is my tone? And it's always helpful. Sometimes we'll say, you know what, that's fine. Hit send or maybe you should pause or the tone seems a little bit strong or those things are just very helpful. So in writing, one of the biggest things I could recommend, since it's in writing, don't be so quick to push send, post or whatever. And if you can, have someone else read over it for you because I think it's going to help you and it, um, it'll help you have regrets and create some situations in relationships when we maybe send things quicker than we should. All right, so that's writing skills. The next one that I want to, I guess, cover would be speaking or verbal communications. And something I guess I need to share with this is that I have done quite a bit of speaking in front of groups on stage and different things like that. Probably during the 90s, I was up in front of people almost daily, either in corporate training um, or, uh, or in our business that we had. I would be up in front of a lot of people. And in some ways, I think that helped my speaking skills, just getting comfortable in front of people. But in other ways, you can kind of get sloppy and lazy when you do things all the time. So it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. But one of the things that I did do in the corporate environment was I taught speaking skills. And, you know, it's changed a little bit over the years. But I, I will say there are some basics that that come into play when you're going to be getting up in front of a group. I'm not necessarily talking about one-on-one here, even though some of the principles will apply. But but I'll, I'll tell you the absolute best skill that you can use, and this works when you're one-on-one with people. It also works when you're up in front of a group. I think I mentioned it before, and that is as best as you can look people in the eyes, focus on them, and genuinely listen to what they have to say if it is a back-and-forth conversation. Ask relevant questions and repeat. Look people in the eyes, focus, genuinely listen to what they have to say, ask relevant questions and repeat. You know, it's really interesting. I met a I met a couple even today. It was earlier today. I'm recording this in the afternoon and we are in currently right now while I'm doing this recording in Bend, Oregon in the RV and our RV Theo traveling around and we're kind of stationary for at least a few weeks here in Bend. And uh, I had just taken my computer. I'm working on hopefully some final edits for my novel that should be coming out soon. And I was just kind of sitting in the sun. It's fall of the year, late fall, been cool when uh, at the time I'm recording this. And I was just I was just kind of working on it. And a couple came up. They had a, uh, a King Charles, which we love dogs, and they have a King Charles. And we started talking, and we probably talked for a good 45 minutes to an hour. And I was sitting in the sun, so it was difficult to see. But, you know, I made it a point to look both of them in the eye 
and try to remember their names. And they actually said they wanted to start listening to podcasts. It was, it was Terry and Kelly. And the guy's name was, was Kelly, because that's my middle name, Kelly also. And I remembered it, and we chatted and had a great conversation. And they're about to be moving in their RV and all that. We had a, it was just, it was just a, a great conversation. And I'll tell you that what we've just talked about here was one of the keys to it. I was looking them in the eyes. They were looking me in the eyes. We both wanted to continue talking. We were asking questions, finding out about each other, playing off the questions, asking deeper questions and repeating them over and over again. That is the absolute best skill when it comes to interacting primarily one-on-one with people. And I'll go back to some things we've talked about in previous episodes. It really helps to be able to do this if you have a genuine love and compassion for other people. If you're kind of the person that doesn't really give a rip about others, you don't care, you don't really care what they have to say, you don't really care, you're you're in a hurry, you're doing things, it's gonna be really kind of tough to do this because you'll be looking at your watch, you're gonna be saying, I have things I need to do, and you're gonna be looking off in the distance. So kind of the basic foundation there, love and have compassion for people. Now, when we first started this section, we were talking about speaking in front of a group. And one of the things that I believe is the most powerful skill in front of a group, even if it's 200, 300, 500 or more, is almost the same thing. And that is, as best you can, make eye contact with people in that audience. Attempt to look them in the eye. Now, some talks now, TED Talks, things like that are becoming more and more on camera. So you have to look in the camera and and also look at the people in the audience. And and I know that we're doing things now where people are doing video. Like right now, I'm actually recording this and I'm looking at my computer screen, not looking into the camera like I just did right now. So it looks like I'm looking kind of down and to the left. So it kind of It's a little bit tougher to do when we're talking about video and different things like that, but basic, basic, basic skill. Do all that you can to look people in the eyes, ask questions, ask relevant questions and repeat. I I know what some of you are probably going to say, and that is, well, if you're in front of people, you know, how can you ask questions and things like that? Well, as I said earlier, I, I, I have in the past, not as much now, but I have in the past spoken in front of front of groups and one of the things that I attempt to do is to uh, is to do my best to maybe meet a few people in the front row get their names talk to them find out where they're from and then go from there and that's something that I I love to do if at all possible and uh, and so and so that's um that's something that you can do maybe a little bit advanced is try to get there early shake a few hands meet some people and then during the course of your talk say hey Joe down here on the front row he's from Dallas Texas and you know I remember driving through Dallas one time and just make it relevant try to interact with people and really really try to really try to draw them into the talk the conversation and and uh, and, and you know call them by name ask questions if you can even during live talks I think it's great to be able to do that so anyway those are some skills there under speaking one other thing I want to mention here I have a quote in my notes that Warren Buffett 
in, on the wall of his office. He's only got one certificate on his wall, and it's a certificate from a Dale Carnegie public speaking course. He said it's the most valuable skill that he gained in the business that he's in. And of course, he's in quite the business. You know, he gets up in front of shareholders and speaks and, you know, one of the more prolific investment investors of our time. And so I thought that was very valuable for us to know. It shows how important it is. If this is a skill that you do not have, then I think it's valuable to work on this. There's a lot of ways of doing that. You can get practice doing it in different places. But I thought that was kind of cool that Warren Buffett really felt it was extremely important. Before we leave the uh, speaking skills, let's talk a little bit more, I guess, about, I, I like to categorize this as maybe just face-to-face -face communication. And, and I know we've talked about this a good bit, and we probably keep circling back and forth over this, but some of this just bears repeating over and over again. This is kind of a separate item that I had listed out some time back that just lists a lot of a lot of, I guess, tips when it comes to face-to-face -face communication, and especially as a leader, if you're meeting with people, if you're meeting one-on-one, -on -one, if you're meeting in small groups, then these this will be kind of a valuable checklist. And again, some of this we've said already, but again, it bears repeating. First thing we've said, eye contact. Make sure you make eye contact, if at all possible, with as many people as you can. Uh, have a pleasant face, smile, if at all possible. I mean, don't be creepy, don't be weird, don't have this Cheshire grin all the time on your face, but just pleasant and smile and, you know, be agreeable. Um, spacing, you know, we don't typically have to say this. I haven't been around many people that have challenges with this, but you want to be close to people, but not too close. I mean, if, you know, in, in our first world culture, especially in Americanized culture, we kind of have this arm's length plus spacing that people are comfortable with and people if if we violate that it becomes kind of weird and uncomfortable and you know you don't want to be up in someone's face but you also don't want to be having a conversation with them 20 feet away and making it difficult to hear and so be mindful and aware of, of spacing voice tone you know tone of voice is very interesting I have a tendency to be very, I guess, commanding or direct with my tone at times. And my wife affectionately tells me something to the effect of, you know, you bit my head off when you said that. I'm going, I did not bite your head off. And so it's it's just, uh, and, and you know, one of the ways I've learned to deal with it over the years is I just have a tendency when I've got a lot going on and maybe even when I'm recording this podcast that that my tone starts getting in the mode of being very direct and very matter of fact almost like a know-it-all like like I'm right I'm gonna tell you something don't argue with it type tone and I've noticed especially with glory and sometimes I need to probably do it with others but with glory Sometimes we'll be discussing something and I'll say something in a tone that is very strong, very firm, and it kind of gives this don't argue with this. And I and I notice it now. Thank goodness I notice it. And I say, you know, I think I said that pretty strong. I didn't mean it like it was definitive. It's still open to discussion, 
but it came across pretty strong. So that's something I've learned about voice tone for me that's, uh, that's important. And some of you, you, you might have a softer tone that you might need to, to raise it up just a little bit. I've, I've actually been around people. This is an interesting, interesting comment about voice tone. I've been around people that are very soft at times, but if they get pushed to a certain point, they go from maybe a two on a scale of, you know, one to 10, they go from two to nine, you know, snap, just like that, just real quickly. And, and I, to me, I think you need to be cautious of that also. There isn't any middle, middle ground or there isn't a, a slow, gradual ramp up because many times if you are quieter, I mean, if you're loud like me and you talk animated and things like that, people just kind of get used to that when they're around you. But if you are somewhat quiet, and you know you're pushed you're pushed or you're quiet and no one's listening to you and then all of a sudden you're in a meeting and you want to be heard and you go from two to ten or worse eleven for those that might know that reference from spinal tap if you go to eleven on the um on the tone scale then then it's going to scare people and they're going to be like oh no you know that's that's not good and and so be be mindful of voice tone and and I've actually spoken to people recently that we've kind of given them some feedback about the way they the way they need to manage their tone of voice so that it doesn't it doesn't come across as abrasive with other people. Listen is another tip here. We've talked about it. We're going to talk about it a little bit more before we get off this episode of the podcast. Ask questions. You know, there's so much value in being a good question asker. I don't know if that was grammatically correct, but to be able to ask questions with real, with, you know, real understanding or, or really wanting to get the answer and hear what people have to say, that's a powerful communication skill to have, especially as a leader or a manager. Just ask people questions. And it, and it could be small talk. It could be something deeper. It could be so like, where are you from? Or if it's someone you work with, how was your day? Did you have a good weekend? Tell me about it. Oh, you traveled to visit family. Oh, what was that like? And just continue asking probing questions. You know, there's another piece to this asking questions uh, that's going to sound a bit manipulative, but I think you know what I'm talking about here is who's ever, whoever is asking questions in the in the communications they're typically in charge or in control it's one of the reasons why salespeople that are really good are good at asking questions and i'm not saying necessarily to do it that way because we're asking because we're genuine genuinely interested in others and we want to have dialogue and we want to pull out from them we want to just be able to relate to them well and asking questions listening is a good thing to do also what we do is we repeat for clarity if someone gives an answer, it's always good to say, let me understand, did you say that this weekend that you bungee jumped off of a, uh, you know, a thousand foot bridge? Did, did I hear you correctly? And they go, yeah, that's what I did. I say, wow, okay, well, that's kind of cool. Tell me more about that. And, uh, and also under questions, just one other thing, it's always good to ask more open-ended questions that give people the opportunity to talk. Give them the opportunity to say something. Because if you answer like, did you, did you like your weekend? That's a yes, no. 
Did you, you know, did you get enough sleep over the weekend? Yes or no. Did you go out to dinner last night? Yes or no. As opposed to questions like, tell me, what are some things you did this weekend? Well, that's not a yes or no. Someone's going to have to say something. You know, do you like to go out to dinner? What kind of places do you go? And you can get more more detail there. So those are just some tips under questions. Like we've said before, I think we did it in a previous podcast, use their name, repeat people's names over and over again. Number one, it helps you. And number two, it lets them know that you are engaged with them. You're acknowledging them. Uh, Another thing that's kind of key here, I kind of wrote this one down, is be aware of your stance. In other words, how you're standing. If you are standing up and they're sitting down, you're not at eye level, and it makes it possibly intimidating if you're a manager or a leader over someone and 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 the flip side is even possible if they're standing and you're sitting down and you want to have a an equal communication or be on their level you know stand up and be at eye level or if they're sitting down pull up a chair and sit down with them and you know another little tip on this this one is a kind of this one's like a bonus I'm going to throw in For those of you that interact with children, and I hope that everyone does, you know, children are typically, especially if they're young, they're down at a lower level than us. I think that it is so powerful for adults, parents, grandparents, which I'm about to be, aunts, uncles, whatever. When you talk to a child, get down on their level. Sit in the floor with them, look them in the eye. Sit down in the little stubby chairs like they have and look them in the eye. I think it validates that child so much and lets them know that this adult is down at my level, talking to me, looking me in the eye, not um, not to call out dads here, not, not sitting in the easy chair, staring at the television, having a pseudo conversation with their child who might be playing in the floor or whatever. Get down on their level, look them in the eye, and do that with everyone, if at all possible, uh, at eye level. And then finally, just kind of to summarize just a few things in face-to-face, affirm the main points. Repeat and summarize. Say, listen, here's what I heard. Just make sure that we're clear on these things. This is what I heard in this conversation. One, this. Two, this. And just let them know that that's the case. I also think it's valuable when you're meeting with someone to take notes and write things down. It lets them know it's important. You know, it's it's interesting to me. Someone, I have people come to me a lot, and and ask if they could ask questions because I'm a coach or can I mentor them. I've had a number of young people come to me and ask that, and it's always a little bothersome to me when they ask the question and we're talking, having a pretty deep conversation, and they're just kind of sitting there, you know, kind of sitting back with their arm over the sofa or whatever, wherever we're talking, not really writing anything down, not really taking notes. You know, is is there value to the notes? Maybe, maybe not. It just makes me feel as if they're more engaged. So affirm the main points. So a lot of good tips there on face-to-face communication. And now what I want to do is kind of the next category here. I want to cover this somewhat quickly. And then what we'll do is we've got a few other points that'll, that we'll wrap up this podcast with. One of the things that I also taught back in the 90s that I believe is a valuable skill for leaders is something called facilitation skills. I I believe that a leader really is someone who's positioned to facilitate 
in, I won't say all the time, but a large percentage of their time. And I think that people that have this skill, I, I think it's something, I'll just say it this way, I don't think you're ever going to be replaced if you're really good at this, because this is, this is something that computers can't replace. It's something that, uh, you know, AI and technology is not going to replace. If you can go into a room where there are people that are attempting to achieve and accomplish something and facilitate them and help them do that, then you have value. Also, secondly, if there's a group of people or two people that are having a conflict, they're having difficulty arriving at a decision, and you're able to help facilitate that process, then you are valuable and you are going to be a leader. That's good leadership skills right there. And the facilitator is, it's, it's simply someone that just, I mean, this sounds obvious, they facilitate, they, they help things happen. They help, they help a group or team or two individuals that are at point, let's say three, they help them get to point four, five, six, and seven. And there's skills that are involved there. And, and we did facilitation skills training back when we were at the Bell South Leadership Institute. I taught these skills. It is, it is, it is a skill that a lot of people, I don't, I don't even know if it's really taught that much anymore. But I will say this, the base level skill that you need to have is something we've talked about. And that is the power of listening. You must go in to a facilitation, I guess, process and expect that you are going to listen multiple times more than you're going to talk. If you go in with an agenda, if you go in attempting to manipulate or force or control the process, then I'll tell you that people are going to pick up on it and you're, you're really going to run into some challenges there. So I, I think really with the, the team concept we have in business and a lot of the uh, process and structure that we have with planning and project management, facilitation skills is a great skill to be able to have. And a lot of the same things we've been talking about, the ability to ask questions, the ability to board those questions in writing and so that people can see them, the ability to make sure that everyone around the table or within the room has a say. If you notice someone who hasn't been having input or hasn't been speaking, you call them by name and say, hey, Joe, we haven't heard from you. Can, why don't you share what you think about this to pull people out? And that is a great, great skill to have and so facilitation skills is something that's powerful there. All right, let's look at a few other items. Uh, I've got a bullet point here that's called presentation and dress. And, you know, a lot of people don't talk about this much anymore, but I remember this was back in the 80s. So there's probably some people listening to this, depending on your age, you're rolling your eyes about now and wondering what I'm about to say, but I remember something called Dress for Success, and it talked a great deal about, you know, dressing in a certain way, wearing, for men, you know, a clean shirt, or if it's a dress shirt, make sure it's pressed and not wrinkled, and used to be tucked in, and used to be we wore ties, and all those kind of things. And listen, I know, I know in many environments today, that is not appropriate, that is not the case, but I do believe that it's something that we still in the back of our mind need to think about. I think 
that if you're going to be in a meeting with a group of bankers, for example, bankers have a tendency to dress a little more formal. That's changing, but in, in most situations, they're a little more formal. And they're going to be wearing, uh, let's say, dresses for the ladies and possibly men or, or ladies' pantsuits or whatever. And, and men might be wearing sport coats with dress shirts. And if you show up like I am currently dressed in a T-shirt, pair of shorts, and flip-flops, you know, it could put up some barriers between what you have to say and them being able to listen to you. It could create undue imbalance there. I've, I've always been, this is kind of a general rule. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I typically like to dress uh, kind of around the same level of the people I'm going to be meeting with or maybe about one notch above. Let me give you an example. Let's just say I know I'm going to be around, this is pretty common in today's world, people that wear primarily jeans or something like that and casual shoes, you know, the the uh, sneakers that a lot of people wear, or I've got these dress sneakers called Allbirds, these wool shoes that are super comfy. They look kind of like tennis shoes. They're expensive ones though. And 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 then they wear maybe a t-shirt or maybe a shirt with a collar. And that's typical business in a lot of places like Silicon Valley, startup environments, a lot of companies. Well, what I will often do is dress very similar to that, but what I may do is I may just have a dress shirt on. Or sometimes I may put a sport coat on and just kind of be one notch above. I will say this, as I get older, maybe I'm getting crotchety or something like that. I am getting less and less concerned about what I wear. But I say that because it can be important in environments. If you're someone younger and you're going to be interacting with people that might be more mature, I'm not going to use the word older, you may need to be mindful of how you dress. And when you show up where something a little bit closer to what those people or the audience may be wearing or in the environment that you're in. And it's unfortunate, I hate to say this, there are different rules at times for men and women and like I said earlier, for people of certain ages. So, you know, just just kind of think about it and kind of if you're going into an environment that you've never been into and maybe you're going in doing a presentation or interviewing or talking to someone or presenting or whatever it is, maybe just ask the question of someone. Say, hey, listen, is there kind of a code or a way that people dress here? You know, anything that I need to know? Because that'll just keep you from doing something that might put up barriers between what you have to say or what you're asking or what you're selling or the interaction that you're having and the people that you're going to be around. Okay, a few other bullet points. We're going to wrap up and I'm going to hammer a couple of things home one more time. And I'm going to go back to listening. Listen first, then talk. Works best 99% of the time. Listen first, then talk. Works best 99% of the time. If you have any question about whether or not you should talk or listen, default to listen. And even if there's silence in the room, this is something I need to hear. Even if there's silence in the room, pause before jumping in and start talking because it's always best to listen, gauge the group, gauge the other person, 
gauge what's going on, listen as best you can before you talk. Also, always attempt to say things. Um, let, me, let me give a warning here. I'm about to say a few things that sound like they contradict, but they don't. They actually kind of blend together. So don't get confused with this. Always attempt to say it with less words, if at all possible, or at least try to be as clear and concise as you can. Always attempt to say it with less words. And be repetitive only if necessary. In other words, you hear me at times, probably on the podcast, there's certain things that I'll repeat and maybe I'm just wanting to hammer it home. Maybe I just like to hear my voice. Maybe it's just something that, that I want to I wanna say over because I want to make sure that if I'm going fast, I slow down and I repeat it. But don't be repetitive. You know, it's, it's, it's real interesting that at times people can be repetitive and it becomes kind of obnoxious and gets irritating to people. But then there are other times that when people are repetitive, people say, man, they are so focused and they're staying on task and they're just repeating that message until people get it. You just need to be able to read the people that you're going to be around and know, you know, I I think I've said this too many times. I'm not going to go down that that road again. Only, Only if necessary, be repetitive. Now, here's the, here's the statement that might sound conflicting these next few. It is very difficult to over-communicate. Most people under-communicate. We get a message, we let it sit, we don't respond. We, we have a group of people that we need to share something with and we don't say it or we wait until the last minute. It, it, is, it is always good to err towards over-communicating. Now, notice I didn't say talk. I didn't say send out, you know, overload people with messages or anything like that. Don't assume that people know all the details. Here's what I mean by that. Most people under-communicate, which means that other people will fill in the gaps, especially in business, corporate, organization-type environments. There's a tendency to under-communicate, and then what people try to do is is they'll gossip and come up with ways that they can fill in those gaps. Over-communicate if all possible, and then have someone around you that can give you feedback when you've crossed that threshold. In other words, someone that can say, by the way, by the way, Tim, just so you know, you're, you're basically saying this point too many times. You're talking about needing to listen too many times. I, I hate to warn you, I've got one more too. <laughs> but uh, but just, just, just that's another way to, it's another area that is good to have feedback. Someone that can really give you some good, good feedback. It's okay to be repetitive so that we're sure that our team members understand what we're attempting to communicate. Also, one of the things that I believe we've shared in something in another, in another episode is people will not listen to what you say if there are barriers between you. I mean, I want you to visualize, I want you to, I guess, envision you and someone else that you're trying to talk to and, and the two of you are able to look each other in the eye and, and be face to face. And then I want you to just visualize what it would be like if, if I took a, a wall of cinder blocks and I stacked one layer up two layers up, 
three layers up and I just kept going until it reached, you know, both of where your necks are and it just kept going all the way up above your head. What would it be like if you were still attempting to communicate with that person with a wall of cinder blocks between you? Well, number one, depending on what's around you, you may not be able to hear. Obviously, you can't see. You can't read facial expressions. You can't read hand gestures. You can't tell anything about what they look like or if they smile or they're smiling or they mad. It, it, it makes it more difficult to communicate when there's a wall or a barrier in between. And most people, in general, most people will start with a big wall between them due to trust issues, distractions, preconceived notions. You know, maybe we have, maybe we have some tendencies to, to judge people the way they look or things like that. There's just so many ways that we can have barriers between us that make it difficult for communications to, ha to happen. To effectively communicate, we must be able to bring down those walls. We must be able to take, take some of those layers down to get that wall down so that we could then first maybe hear, and then second, we can see, we can see facial expressions. And the ideal would be to be able to communicate with people with having to have no barriers between us. People on your team, people that you manage or lead, people that you're, you, you know, you're, you interact with relatives, your spouse. Ideally, that would be the best thing to do. Here are some things that you can do to help lower, lower that, lower that wall down. Some of these we've already talked about. Smile, listening, calling them by name. Those three right there will lower the wall down and listen to them, ask questions more than anything else. The more we bring that down, the more influence we can have with that person. All right, I want to finish up with three quick points that actually came in my email inbox just today. So I've just added this to, uh, to my notes on this episode. And it's from one of my favorite authors, authors at this time. I actually, at some point, look forward to possibly interviewing him. And if anyone has connections, let me know. But Patrick Lencioni's written some of the best books out there now for leading teams, for leading in work environments, for leading in business environments. And one of the things he shared in this email that came today was three things that all employees need but I can almost say these are three things that all people need. And I'm just going to read these and we're probably going to try to include them in the show notes and give, of course, great credit to, to uh, Patrick Lencioni for sharing these. Three things that all employees need. And I thought it was, I thought it was critical to put in this communication and leadership episode. All right. First, they need to be known by their manager. Feeling anonymous is miserable for any employee. When a manager takes the time to get to know his or her employees, to understand what is going on in their lives personally and professionally, they give them a sense that they matter. Yes, this seems so obvious, but so many managers, even the best intentioned ones, leaders, others, they don't do this and their employees suffer as a result. And what have we talked about in, in this episode and others? Know their name. Listen to them. Be compassionate. Be understanding. Show love to them. So first one here is they need to be known by their manager or their leader. Number two, they need to know that their job 
matters to someone in some way. When employees feel that their jobs are irrelevant, they can't help but feel miserable. One of the most important roles of a manager is to help employees understand why their jobs make a difference in the lives of someone, customers, other employees, their managers, something like that, so that they can understand why their work matters. Now, why would that one be important under communications? Is if you're a leader, you're a manager, and you just assume that Joe and Sally work in your organization and they know that what we do is important, they understand it, and you never verbalize it, tell them, communicate it to them, then you know what? It's going to be real easy for them to start feeling as if their jobs are irrelevant. That needs to be communicated and communicated on a regular basis, almost to the point of being repetitive until t- someone says, okay, I understand my job's important. You need you can stop telling me that. So number two, they need to know that their job matters in some in so, to someone in some way. And the last point here is they need to know whether they are doing their job well. Employees who have no observable way to assess their own success must rely on the subjective opinion of their manager, which makes them dependent on that manager's mood or whim for their sense of accomplishment. Managers need to help employees identify reliable ways to assess their own contributions, especially as it relates to how their job makes a difference in the life of others. And let me tell you how you can't do this. You can't let the person know how well they're doing in their job if you have an annual review every 12 months, which that's what an annual review would be. But if once a year you sit down and say, hey, Sally, listen, I want to let you know, remember back in February that 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 project that you worked on? I just want you to know you did a great job on that. And so, you know what Sally's sitting there doing? She's going, boss, why didn't you tell me that in February? I didn't get any feedback. I thought I did a bad job because nobody said anything. Why didn't you walk down to my office two doors down and say, Sally, you did a great job. I just want you to know we appreciate all that you did in that that area. It really made a big impact for our company. And I just want you to know that we noticed it and we want to thank you for doing that. Do it when it happens. Do that regularly. Do it often. Don't wait till the annual review. That doesn't make any sense. Or even biannual or even every quarter. Catch people doing stuff well and let them know about it. That actually makes it so much easier so that if you have to make a correction, you've poured into them and it's easier to do that. So I really like those from Patrick Lencioni. Hope that helped you out. And I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this episode because communications is something like we said at the beginning you cannot influence others if you can't share your thoughts and ideas if you can't communicate written speaking in front of people one-on-one and i'm hopeful that we've given some good tips and ideas and thoughts and philosophies and principles in this episode that will help you out so that you can be a good steward over those people places and things that god has gifted you with and that it will help you be um, an excellent everyday leader. I have so enjoyed this podcast. I love, 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 love these topics. And I'm excited about, we've got a few more with this season. Excited about what we're going to be covering with that. And I'm just hopeful that this has been helpful for you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it greatly. And I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Seat Go Create podcast, a part of the SGC Network. 
For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new, we are constantly discussing bold new topics and ideas here on the network, so be sure to subscribe to be notified when we post new episodes. We look forward to sharing more with you next time, but until then, enjoy the journey.